You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 118. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by acuityscheduling.com, which helps you simplify your scheduling so you can focus on what you love to do. At the end of this episode, I'll be speaking with Nicole from Acuity Scheduling about their service and about a free special offer they have for Lively Show listeners. Also, remember, Life with Intention online registration closes tomorrow, January 29th, and class begins January 31st through March 4th. Life with Intention Online is my flagship course, which has truly been a decade's worth of work trying to find the other way, the other way to live a fulfilling, joyful, and peaceful life that does not just involve the goalless and vision boards that we are taught to succeed at. And if we have those things, then we'll be happy. This is a perfect course for anyone who feels burned out doing all of that stuff and finding that it's a little bit empty inside, or for those who are bummed out because they know that stuff doesn't work in the first place, but they don't really feel like they know what to do instead. This is a perfect course for those types of people. I have loved working with almost 500 members around the world so far, and now this incoming class is definitely getting us way over that 500 member mark, and I'm so excited to work with them because the transformations my members have seen and their careers and their relationships and their personal habits and in their homes have been truly life-changing. I'm so excited to work with this new crew of people along with the alumni as well because they have lifetime access. So we'll have sophomores and juniors of the course joining us as well. So check it out if you're interested at lifewithintentiononline.com and register. As always, I tell you to listen to your intuition when it comes to this work. If your intuition is telling you this is something that you should be looking into, I'm so excited to work with you. And now let's move on to today's show. Today, we're speaking with Pat Flynn, one of my very favorite podcasters out there of Smart Passive Income Podcast and smartpassiveincome.com. Pat is the real deal, guys. He is so authentic and helpful and funny and just exactly who he is in every way. And I'm so excited to have him on the show once again. You can listen to his first episode on The Lively Show at jesslively.com slash patflynn. And in today's episode, we're going to be speaking in depth about how he's helping his children to develop a creative and entrepreneurial mindset based on what he's learned the hard way through going through his own life and his own lessons through getting laid off as an architect to now starting his own career, what he's teaching his children based on all of those lessons. It's a great episode for parents or people even like me that are thinking about one day having children, what I would like to teach them from a young age so that they're equipped to deal with the challenges that come in life. In addition, we're also going to talk about his new book, Will It Fly?, which is all about how to test your business ideas before you get started so you know whether it's worth investing your time and money. And we're going to also be sharing a little bit about one of my favorite TV shows, Shark Tank. Let's go to the show. Pat, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Woohoo, so happy to be here again. I'm so glad you've come on in the past. So for those that want to hear how you got to where you are, they can go refer to that episode, which will be in the show notes. But let's get started with Will It Fly, your new book. 
And also, I'd like to first jump into something that I heard you share on your own podcast recently, focusing on helping your children to think in the mindsets and growth that you're learning right now as an adult. Yeah, I mean, I picked up a lot of things along the way since getting laid off and becoming an entrepreneur. And I always think back to, man, if, I, if only I knew this stuff when I was little, like I wish I could just climb into my DeLorean and then go into the, I don't have a DeLorean, but if I did, I'd go and talk to my younger self and be like, no, this is the way you're supposed to think about it because this is like what's going to help you move forward. This is what's going to make you more happy down the road. And so I'm sort of instilling a lot of these attributes that I've learned over time becoming an entrepreneur into, into my kids. And my son, he's five now. He turned six on Christmas Eve, actually. And I'm really excited because I'm starting to see he's picking up a lot of what I've taught him in sort of ways that, you know, I don't put him through like business school or anything like that. But I do instill these little things here and there to teach him ways that I know an entrepreneur would think that is just going to be great for him in his life. And I, I think the more specific example that you're thinking of is that whenever he says, I can't do this, or I try, but I just, I'm, I can't, I always fill it in at the end with, well, you can't yet. And actually, this is something really interesting that I picked up from the school that he's in. So he's in a STEM school, S-T-E-M, science, technology, engineering, and math. And this is, this is what they say when their students are working on something and they say they can't. Well, you can't yet. You just haven't learned it yet. You haven't figured it out yet. You can't get it right on the first time always. And if I knew that the first time around in my life, I would be so much better off because I struggled with failure for the longest time. And I think I, I was brought up in a more traditional household where, you know, it was very much about education, of course, and it, it still is, but in a sense that like, I would come home from school sometimes with the 96% of my tests, which is great, that's like an A plus, right, or an A. And my dad would be like, okay, well, what happened to the other 4%? And it's just like, man, I can't imagine doing that now when you've done 96% of the stuff right to just get called out on the stuff that you didn't do right. So that's another kind of way that I've been trying to shift my mindset in terms of how I'm teaching my son. So it's not about, you know, getting things right all the time. It's just about working through these problems that you're going through now to see if you can find the solution. I always tell them, find the solution. What's the solution? Dad, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Well, what do you think a good solution might be? And we talk it out and I ask him a ton of questions. Like I, I never, I don't know if this is like being a bad parent or whatever. I think it's being a good parent because I'm teaching in these ways, but I don't ever help him right away. Unless, of course, he's in danger or something. Of course I do. But if he's struggling with something, I ask him questions to see if he can figure out the thing on his own. And I'll kind of guide him with my questions until he finally figures it out. And a lot of times it works. And, you know, just to see his eyes light up and to see him so proud of the fact that he had to work through it, he had to struggle through these challenges, be it big or small, it makes a difference. And, and now he's starting to figure things out on his own. And I'm noticing that as he's trying new things, as he's getting introduced to other cool things in his life and at school, you know, the failures and like he's saying it less and less. He's not saying I can't anymore. Now he's like, OK, well, let me think about this really quick. Like he's literally saying that. And the fact that he's saying that makes me so happy. That's like, OK, I, I don't have it yet, but let's see what I can do to figure this out. And I think you know, I think this is why he loves the show Mythbusters. It's his absolute favorite show. And I'm so jazzed that he loved this. And actually on Instagram, I don't know if you saw this, Jess, but uh, my wife and I took him to watch Mythbusters live because they actually go on tour when they're not filming. And we didn't tell him where we were going. Aww. So we went down to the San Diego Civic Theater. And then once he saw that there was like Mythbusters apparel in the lobby and we told him that we were there to watch uh, watch Adam and Jamie, um, he like his reaction was just like, 
oh my gosh, like he was like bouncing around and gave, gave mommy a hug and stuff. So, you know, these kinds of things, um, you know, again, it's just getting his brain to think that, you know, to, to be a problem solver. Cause I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs are problem solvers. A business is just simply a thing that solves somebody's problems. So, you know, that's what I'm trying to teach him in life, which is really cool. I was listening to an episode of, I think it was the Zig Ziglar show. And someone was saying, it was a guest on the show, mentioned that they sleep really well at night because they're not worried about their children's grades because they don't see their children's grades as an indication of whether they're going to be successful. Obviously, this person, I think, is an entrepreneur. So they're saying, is this person, is my child passionate about what they're doing? And are they thinking critically and solving problems? And their theory is that by doing that alone, they're going to be better off than focusing on did they get an X amount of percent on their report card, which I think is very fascinating. And I think people are going to have a lot of different <laughs> reactions to that. What's your thought on that? You know, I think the grades are good in terms of an indicator of where one stands at one moment in time. That's that's what I think it's good for. And that's good to know at, at certain times. But, you know, for me personally, I remember I'm a terrible test taker. And if my grades are based on tests and I'm a terrible test taker, that doesn't really reflect how much I know about something is just reflects that I'm a terrible test taker. And so I think, you know, the tests and the grades are important, but that's just one part of the overall aspect of what can potentially help a child become successful. There's a lot more to it. This education thing, it's very, very important to me. Now that my son's going through it, my daughter, she's three, she'll be going into um, transitional kindergarten next year. And, you know, I'm like, there are so many kids out there who don't get the opportunity to see life in terms of, well, there are problems and there are solutions. And can you be the one to create those solutions? Like I remember one day in class, it's interesting that, man, it's so crazy now school with the technology and the internet available now, the, just, you know, that they're on devices and all this stuff. But, but more than that, it's like they have apps that allow you to see what the students are doing. There's this one app that the teacher uh, let us all download, let all the parents download. Uh, I think it's called Remind, Remind, yeah. And in it, you could subscribe to that teacher's feed. It's almost like a, its own social platform. And during the day, we would get uh, notifications of different pictures and images and messages from the teacher that gets blasted out to all these parents who are subscribed to this feed. Obviously, you need like a code to subscribe to the feed so that, you know, you know, only you and other fellow parents of children in that class are following it. But there was one day I remember I was following this feed and it was really interesting because it was a really sunny day here in Southern California. The kids, this is again, preschool, were all eating lunch and a couple of the kids were complaining about, you know, how much sun there was and how hot it was out in the sort of courtyard uh, in, in the little kind of confined preschool area in, in the school that they're in. And so the teacher was like, okay, well, what can we do to solve this problem? So some of the kids are like, okay, well, we can go inside to eat. Well, no, we can't do that because there's an ant problem. We don't want to bring crumbs inside. Okay, well, let's let's keep going. Let's Come on, kids. What, what are some other ideas you have? And eventually, uh, a couple of kids came up with the idea of creating these little sunshades, like to create, uh, to, to block the sun from their lunch area. And so she's like, okay, well, what did these look like? What are they made of? And so they actually stopped what they were going to do that day, what was planned, and actually pulled out their pens and papers and they all started designing their little prototypes on their little paper and actually making them out of toothpicks and all this stuff. And then they came up with their favorite design and then they ended up getting some donations from some of the parents who went to Home Depot and bought all this PVC pipe for them and like old blankets. And then they started building these things and the teachers weren't even like helping them. They were just guiding them, which which I think is really cool. And so 
you know, the pictures that I saw at the end were like these really cool little L-shaped uh, shades with blankets over them that would block the sun. And it's like, it's like, that's like a real life application, right? That is just a small microcosm of the bigger problems that are happening in life and how we might be able to solve them. And I think it's so cool. And so, you know, I think grades are important, but I think experience and doing and, and, and problem, like real life problem-based solutions are, are really where the, the big time education is at. And so, you know, education is really important to me. Like I said, I built a couple of schools in Ghana and went to Ghana this past year. Uh, so that was awesome. But more than that, like my five-year goal down the road is to create like a nonprofit organization that helps teach kids these kinds of principles and helps get the parents involved with them too and to create these like lifelong memories of just building and problem solutions and so, sort of it would become like a like a combination of I don't know Y Combinator with Shark Tank but you know yeah I was gonna say Shark Tank it's like mini Shark Tank science experiments you know like and even when I was little I mean we're doing other things at home for example like my kids will build stuff like Legos or draw things and then we'll actually make time we have a little spot in front of our fireplace that almost looks a little bit like a stage like a mini stage and we have them go up and present it and show us what we're what they were thinking and what their design is and what they built and what it does and we ask questions about it and it kind of teaches them all these things that I do now which is like I build something and I share it and I show people what it's about and how it's helpful or you know what I was thinking and I remember when I was a kid, like, I would never do that. And I never, A, got the opportunity, but also, B, I grew up conditioned to, because I never had the opportunity to be, just be completely fearful of that. But how are you going to make change in this world if you're just so, you know, scared of putting yourself out there? And, you know, yes, sometimes it's not always the best thing, but the truth is, and the only way to predict the future is to just not do anything and where, where nothing would happen. Actually, I can totally relate to the opposite of your experience where you were not pushed in that direction. I grew up with a mom who was very entrepreneurial. She was always doing craft fairs and making things and selling them. So I grew up driving around delivering these mop angel <laughs> things that people were buying and going to craft fairs with her on an early Saturday morning eating cinnamon rolls from McDonald's in the car. And well, the minute I started making jewelry at a pool and these women asked to buy it for me, I was like, yeah, that's the most natural thing in the world to do. And of course, it was like, all right, let's just make a business out of this. If someone's willing to pay for it, this is what I grew up seeing my mom do. So it was never something that scared me and was just something that I was always encouraged to do. So when I graduated, it was natural and actually knew that more than actually having a full-time job. Yeah, it does really show that the difference of what your childhood shows you can help you to feel more naturally inclined to go do that in the future or at least have it as an option of something they can do. Right, the option. Exactly, exactly. Because for me, I didn't even know any of this stuff. I didn't know about entrepreneurship. I didn't know about business until I was kind of forced into it after getting laid off. But if I had seen these opportunities earlier, I mean, perhaps, you know, I, I have even more things. Obviously, I'm very thankful for how things worked out. But, you know, I know a lot of people who are struggling and, and they don't even see these opportunities that are right in front of them. Actually, this is a perfect segue to adults here sitting here thinking about testing the waters with their own ideas, just like your children on the stage. So let's talk about Will It Fly, your new book. What's the message all about? You know, we, we always get these ideas and, you know, there's a lot of books out there that help give you inspiration for how to find ideas to create businesses about. And there's a lot of great books out there and, and, and courses and whatnot to help you build those things. But there's not really that thing in between where it's like, 
well, how do you know if that idea is actually going to take off? You know, we launch things all the time, but how do we know if those things are actually going to fly and actually be something that's going to support us and support the market that we're building that thing for? So, you know, it's a validation book. And so it's validation in two ways. It's how do you know if that idea that you come up with is actually one that's going to do well in that market? And, uh, you know, so how does that product fit? How does it compare to the other one, uh, other products and uh, things that people are buying out there? Is it actually something that people want? But by far the best validation technique you could have is actually somebody not just saying that they would buy something. You know, this is stuff that you do before you actually go and build it to make sure so you don't waste your time and money down the road because, you know, we know a lot of people who have built businesses, put life fortunes into things, spent years of efforts onto things, and, you know, they're shouting from the rooftops, I built my thing, like, here, come and buy it, and then nobody buys it, and they're just wondering why. Well, this book in iterations helps you through the step-by-step process of, you know, validating that idea so that, whenever you come to a point in that process where something doesn't go right, you can narrow it down to what needs to be fixed. And then, so the idea is I want people to go through this book with an idea in mind, or even if they don't have an idea, you could likely get one while reading this because it does talk about where ideas for successful businesses come from. And they either immediately just see these red flags through the litmus tests that are in this book and drop that idea. Like it's better to do this now and find out this information now than two years, three years down the road after you've wasted all that time and money. Or they go through this book and it essentially says yes to all these things, all these tests. Some are database tests, some are thought experiments and things like that. They go through the book and yes, they're completely motivated to get started. And I don't know about you, Jess, but when I've coached people in business, a lot of times people just need permission from somebody to move forward with that idea they have. And this is what this book will guide people to do. But I had mentioned before, there are kind of two types of validation. So the first one is product to market validation, like I just talked about. But the other one, and the one that I feel is most important, which is why this book starts in this way, is that idea or business to self validation. How does this idea or that this thing that you're you're potentially going to work on and, and, and put a lot of effort into, how does that fit into who you are? Does it complement your strengths? Does it fit into your life goals? Will it actually support you and where you want to go or will it not? And the reason why this is important is because actually I go to a lot of conferences, right? And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, during the evenings after the presentations are over and, you know, the sponsored networking parties are done, you know, I usually find myself uh, in some bar or, or lounge somewhere just talking with a bunch of other entrepreneurs who are at these conferences. And, you know, these conversations get kind of deep sometimes, you know, they get into the, the how's life and, you know, what we, what we love and what, what we wish was different. And a lot of times I talk to entrepreneurs who are very successful in business. They're making a lot of money, but they're not happy. They're unfulfilled. They feel like they went down a path that they perhaps shouldn't have gone down or wish they had tried something different. They're at the top of a ladder, but not the right ladder. And so it's really important to catch these people up front. So in the beginning of the book, there's a, a number of exercises or thought experiments that help put you in the, in the right mindset to discover, well, where do you wanna be? But also how does that idea that you have align with that or not? And again, a lot of times when I've run this experiment uh, with people uh, in, in a lot of these tests, it's an immediate like, oh my gosh, I totally, this is not right for me. And they can just move on to the next one as opposed to wasting time and energy focusing on that one when it wouldn't even work out anyway. So that's what the book will help people do. Okay. I want to hear about this experiment. What are the ways we can do that? Because I think that's so important and really aligns with my message of living from your values and making sure that you're coming from the values rather than seeking the outcomes, because those are really the third piece of the puzzle. We got to start with what's most important to us. So how can we use these experiments to tap into that? Sure. So there's a book out there called The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Popson. 
So I've had conversations with Jay, and I learned that for his company, for he, he and Gary's company, uh, Keller Williams Realty International, they have a really interesting thing that they do during the hiring process. So when they're looking for hiring more employees in their business, they run this thing called, uh, which I named the airport test. It's a little thought experiment that they use, and I just gave it that name. It's called the airport test. So let's say, Jess, for example, that you and I, we, we haven't talked to each other for a while for whatever reason, but then you know we run into each other at the airport five years from, from now, a long time down the road. We run into each other. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jess, like, how are you? Man, remember when we did those podcasts together? Like, that was awesome. Like, how, how's life? How is life treating you right now? And you respond with, life, is amazing. It couldn't get any better. And I'm like super happy for you. And then I say, well, well, what's going on? Why is life so great? And so this exercise helps you think about, well, what would actually make you say that five years from now? And actually the, the actual exercise is, you know, folding a piece of paper into four quadrants and then in each of those quadrants, giving it a title, which is one of the top four categories of your life that are important to you. So for me, it's family and then professional uh, uh, health and then finances. And so in each of those quadrants, you write down, you literally write down what would make you say that life is awesome five years from now. And it's not just a guessing game. It's not a, a wish list. This is like you were fast forwarding five years from now in writing these things down. And when you have this sheet in front of you, once it's all filled out, I have mine right here in front of me actually, it reveals so much about why you do what you do and it can be the foundation for all future decisions that you will make. And it, it can be very clear whether or not certain ideas that you have fit into that or not. And this sheet alone has allowed me to make some really tough decisions in a, in a far easier way. For example, I get a lot of incredible business opportunities, but I can see that immediately those you know, certain business opportunities would take me away from the important part of uh, the family part of my life, or maybe it would hurt me financially uh, for a little bit, but then, you know, which I can't do right now, you know, all these sorts of things. So this airport test is a huge, uh, you know, it, it's essentially a five-year plan, right? But five-year plans are boring for one. And two, it puts it into context. So you literally feel and you have emotion when you're going through these exercises because you're thinking about these things in real life. Is there any other examples or experiments we can do beyond that for validation? Or is that your major one for that portion of the process? Well, I mean, there's three in the beginning. The other one is, the, there's two other ones. The second one is called, again, and this is all idea to self-test. This is an idea to the market test. That involves a whole number of other tests, which I walk you through step by step. But this other one that I like is called the history test. Now, don't be scared of that. I know history tests are a little scary. And, you know, I'm not going to ask you how to you know, what year the War of 1812 was or anything like that. Really, this exercise examines things you've done in the past. So the first one was the future. This one, you're going back into the past and you're looking at previous jobs and clubs that you've been a part of and teams. And, you know, you write down like what it is and the top three things that you liked about each of those things and the bottom three things that you liked or the worst things that you liked or that you didn't like about those things. And then you pull out a favorite memory from those parts of life. And the reason this is important is because when you create these things and you can do three or more, you'll start to notice patterns of what parts of those things that you've done you do like and what parts of those things you didn't like. And so as an entrepreneur, when you're validating these businesses, like you're an entrepreneur, you could create it in any way you want. So you can absolutely borrow from your past and learn from your past to help shape your future in terms of, well, what kind of business would you like or how would you like to be involved in it or what parts are missing or should be included or should not be included. And it's really easy to see in my life when you look back in my history with, you know, architecture and marching band and my first job, 
that I need to be in some way, shape, or form talking to and, and helping other people. Um, I also work really well when I get praise for the work that I do to help other people too. Not like, oh my gosh, Pat, you're the best, but like, thank you, you actually helped me. That motivates me and I've learned that over time. And so I make sure that in the business I have now that I make those avenues open. And so this history test can reveal quite a bit because a lot of times we go through the motions of life and we don't really pay attention to why we like certain things and why we don't. We just kind of live life. And when you go back and examine your history, you get to see all these patterns that you can then bring forward with you into the new parts of your life. What's wonderful about this is I always strive to make sure the episodes are helpful for those in business and also not. And these are wonderful things for us to think about in any aspect of whatever career or non-career we have that this is totally applicable to help us make decisions for 2016 as we're in the new year and also obviously far beyond that as well. Totally. I might as well give you that last one anyway. Yeah, I want to hear the last one. So you guys are getting like the first part of the book already. So the last one, this is my favorite one because this puts you in a scenario in one of my favorite TV shows, and that is Shark Tank. Have you watched Shark Tank before, Jess? Every episode. Nice. Okay, so you'll get this. So if you imagine that you've been invited to be on the show Shark Tank, and then you give your pitch, and you know, don't worry about the pitch yet. At this point, if you have an idea, you probably don't know it well enough or haven't refined it enough to even give a pitch at this point. I share tips on tricks on how to do that later on in the book. But let's say you're up there and, um, you know, Mr. Wonderful there is in the middle uh, with his fingers pressed against each other. And he asks you this question. You've probably seen him ask this question on the show before. But he goes, what's stopping me from hiring somebody else to do exactly what you're doing? Why should I work with you? And it's a hard question. And it one that often stops people in their tracks and they start kind of making excuses or, well, the overall industry is $300 billion. And like, no, that stuff doesn't matter. It's like you, why, why you, what makes you special? And so this, this question, this scenario puts you in the mindset of, well, what do you have that nobody else could offer? What's unique about you? What are your quote unfair advantages that when you get into the space would make, you know, Mr. Wonderful an idiot not to hire you, that you are the one to do this. And so again, it's reflective on kind of your superpowers, I guess you could say. And, and it's really important to know that moving forward. Again, this isn't just for business. This is for everything. It's important to know what you're good at so you know that you can continue to do those things and be conscious of the things that you're not good at too, which then you could just actually, first of all, be aware of. But secondly, if you do need those things to happen, you can have other people help you instead of yourself trying to struggle with those things. What are your superpowers? What will you tell him? So my superpower is being able to take really complicated things like validating an idea or starting a podcast or, you know, all this other stuff and making it very easy for other people to understand. So breaking really complicated things down into, super, into really easy, consumable, bite-sized steps. And I think the other way to, to say that would be I have an immunity to the curse of knowledge. I don't know if you heard of this thing called the curse of knowledge. It's something that Chip and Dan Heath talked about in his book, Made to Stick. But I would say, you know, I'm immune to this weakness which people have, which is when you know something, it's hard to know what other people feel about that thing who don't know it. It's like if you have some skill or ability, it's impossible almost to, to, to know what it feels like to not have that thing anymore. But I do a pretty good job of making sure that I put myself in the shoes of my customer, my audience, my subscriber, the listener, to be able to share something in a way that's easily consumable, no matter where they're at or what level they're at. I can totally agree with that. From all of the knowledge I have gained from your show and that tutorial about podcasting, you do definitely have that talent. Now, my other question on the Shark Tank is, who would you want to invest in your business? Oh, Robert Hershevec. 
Really? He gets like the least amount. He's always outbid and he, he rarely gets one. Why him? Maybe I'm a little biased, but I, I got to watch him speak at a conference last week, actually. And he was one of the nicest guys I've ever seen on stage. Very down to earth, very real, very relatable. And even though he's, you know, a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, you felt like just a regular dude. And I love that about him. And he was very, he's very, very smart. You know, Mark Cuban would be good to you, I think, just because he has, you know, a lot of connections and stuff. I guess it would depend on what it is that I'm pitching, right? Because if I'm going to do something on QVC, you know, I'm going to work with somebody else or I'm doing something maybe related to real estate, it's Barba. I guess it depends. But I like Robert Hershebeck. I love that you watch Shark Tank too. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I had this woman at a conference I was speaking at sit with me across the table for like a half hour telling me how much I needed to watch it. So that I did because she said she wouldn't stop talking about it. And now I've watched them all. Okay. Now my last two questions for you, Pat. Number one, what doubts or internal resistance are you currently facing in your life right now? Oh, gosh. Well, it's related to this book. Like, I'm so afraid to put it out there. And I think it's because I've just worked so hard on it. And it means a lot to me. And the thing I've realized about when I get this sort of feeling is that, you know, there's always something amazing on the other end, right? It's It, it happened when I started with my blog. It happened when I released my first product, when I started my podcast, especially when I got up on stage. Like, I was just wanting to throw up. I'm at a point now in my book where like I want to throw up because I'm so nervous of just about how people will respond to it. And, you know, people who have seen bits and pieces of it uh, do love it, but I, but I still get really nervous because this, this is really meaningful to me. And so, you know, a part of me literally just wants to say, you know, I've done all this work, but things are going fine. Like, I, why should I even potentially screw everything up that I've already worked on already? Like, let's just continue what I was doing. But then, you know, I know that's just that resistance in my brain. That's that, you know, human nature, self-defense mechanism that always pops in, which, you know, oftentimes stop people from doing something that is meaningful. And, you know, I use that as a sign now that, yeah, this is the thing I should do. So I will push forward and I'll keep going. But, you know, I have to fight with myself every once in a while. And what would you tell someone who's just starting out on this journey? You're going to make mistakes and you're going to fail a lot. And that is okay. And this goes back to what I tell my son. You know, that's okay. It's okay to fail. It's a part of the process. If you don't fail, you're not trying hard enough, honestly. And the other part of that, and this is the thing, uh, I talk about this in a presentation of mine because a lot of people know I'm a Back to the Future fan, obviously. Uh, and, you know, I've referenced the DeLorean how many times already. You need to own one by this point. I do, right? I mean, I have a ton of scale model ones, but not an actual one yet. I don't think my wife would be too happy with that purchase at this point in life, but maybe later. But, you know, I talk about the Back to the Future a lot. I mean, that's just who I am. That's a part of me. And I incorporate that into my work. And it's just it's just who I am. And so the big lesson here is just embrace your weird. Embrace your weird. And my son came home from school one day last year in preschool. And he said, oh, daddy, so-and-so called me weird. And you know what I said? I said, good because you are weird. And for those of you listening, you might be like, what, that's mean. But no, I, I'm like, you are weird. Like, that's what makes you, you. You should want to be weird. You don't want to be like everybody else. So just appreciate the fact that you are being seen as, as different, because that's what's going to help you stand out in the future. And, you know, it's funny, because when I told that to my son, he's like, oh, okay, thanks, dad. You're weird, too. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know I am. And so, but yeah, embrace your weird and don't be afraid to fail. Pat, is a joy to have you on the show again. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. I think this is something we can all use no matter where we are in our lives or careers. Thank you for having me and I, and I hope you all enjoy the book if you pick it up. 
And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And Pat, thanks for coming on the show again. To send Pat a message, you can do so over on Twitter at Pat Flynn. And you can find me on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter at Jess C, as in Cuban, aka Mark Cuban of Shark Tank, Lively. For show notes, hop over to JessLively.com slash Pat Flynn 2. Before I share who's coming up next week on the show, let's speak with Nicole about today's sponsor, AcuityScheduling.com. Nicole, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me again. It is awesome to have you back. Last week, you came on and shared about AcuityScheduling.com. Would you mind quickly sharing what it is and who it's for? Sure. So AcuityScheduling.com is an online scheduling tool that's entirely web-based, and it's built for small to medium-sized businesses whose day-to-day revolves around appointment scheduling. The client can go online to their website and book their appointment and make a payment and fill out any intake forms and then get reminders before their appointment as well. And it also involves payments too, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the client can go online and at the time of booking, they can pay or not pay whatever is decided by the business. And then before their appointment, they can pay for the balance of that. So there's not that really awkward moment where the business owner has to ask for payment. Yeah, that can be sometimes an awkward moment. So nice that you guys have found a way to remove it. So now let's actually go a little bit into the inspiration and start of acuity scheduling. Where did this inspiration strike? We started in 2007 and Gavin, our founder, actually evolved it from what he noticed his mom was doing. And she's a massage therapist. She was having a lot of trouble scheduling her clients. She was always on the phone and calling people back and having to decide whether to leave a client on the massage table to take this phone call and book another one and that sort of thing. So he built this program for her to eliminate that hassle and handle all that uh, extra junk that really wasn't massage therapy. And that's where I came from. It's super sweet. I love that story. It's something that is so simple, right? He found this need that his mom had and then he solved it. And not only does she have the ability to do this schedule, she also has the ability to take the payments at the same place. Does she even need a website at this point or does she just use Acuity? Right? Yeah. The awesome thing about Acuity is that you can put it right into your website. So you can just do both, like if you had other stuff going on. But we do have a standalone page. So yeah, you could just do that. And then and then when the client gets there, they don't have to spend all this time filling out the intake forms and the medical history. Like that's all on Acuity. So we made it for his mom. How did you guys get it out there in a bigger way? The way technology is moving along, it just felt right to keep sharing this thing with other businesses. There's so many entrepreneurs out there that benefit from it and find it to be such a helpful tool in making their lives easier. And I hear you have something special for the Lively Show listeners out there. As we shared last week, would you mind sharing what it is? Yes. If you'd like to sign up for Acuity, if you're interested, go to acuityscheduling.com backslash lively and you can get a 45-day free trial of any of our plans We have a pricing page where they're all laid out in the comparison of them. Our normal trial is only 14 days, so this is super cool and super special. So acuityscheduling.com backslash lively. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jess. And now for a sneak peek. Next week on the show, we're having Alex Icon of alexicon.com on the show once again. Alex came on the show earlier this January to share about his personal life and his journey to go from almost going to juvenile detention 11 years ago to now living the life of his dreams as a seven-figure business owner living in London with his wife, Mimi Icon. 
This next week's episode is going to focus on his newest work with his new project, The Productivity Planner. We're going to discuss the productivity tips and hacks that he has incorporated into this planner, which we can use, whether we have the planner or not, to be more focused and to save time in our careers or just our lives in general. It's a great episode with a lot of practical tips that we can start using today to save time and, like I said, just stay focused. Until then, may something wonderful happen to you today. 